we're kind of just observers here. It's really, chapter 4, it's almost like preliminary. It's setting the stage for chapter 5, uh, which is where things get much more exciting, in my opinion. But what we'll find out is that chapter 4, before it gets really exciting... It's still really exciting. There's, there's, there's so much going on here. Uh, we, we will take another look at the throne, uh, at, at the beings around the throne and at what they do. And, and as we do this, we're going to understand another key rule. You know, two weeks ago I was talking about rules for understanding Revelation. This rule is not as much for understanding Revelation, although it's necessary for Revelation. It's a rule for understanding what you see in a vision, how seeing in a vision is different from seeing with physical eyes. And, and once again, once you hear it, it should just make sense. You should go, oh, yeah. And, and I'll give you the summary up ahead. A vision is the modern art of prophecy. <laughs> it's not what you see, it's what it means. Okay, so, but we'll come back to that. So let's start Revelation chapter 4. Uh, we're at the throne of God. Let me read the first three verses of this. Uh, after this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in the heavens, and the first voice, uh, and the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. So the throne of God, what did John see? Well, first of all, the throne itself. He calls it a throne. But he doesn't describe the throne at all. He doesn't waste any time talking about the throne, but he starts talking about the one seated on the throne. Uh, let's see. And he who was there had the appearance of jasper and car- carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. So ja- is jasper here? If we, Jasper would just stand up, we know what God looks like. <laughs> yeah, probably doesn't work. Jasper and carnelian. And, and it, it could depend on your version. Some versions say Jasper and sardius, which you go, oh, that helps me a lot. Uh, the King James Version, I love it, it says Jasper and sardine stone. And I'm going, what, like anchovies? It's, it's just, you go, okay, I don't get this. Well, well so let's, you know, I, I don't, I, maybe you just know jewelry and these things, these words make a ton of sense to you. But I'm a guy and I have to look it up. So I looked up jasper and it could be green, but I don't think the jasper we're talking about was green uh, because the next definition uh, is, is what I think is intended. It says, an opaque variety of colored quartz, usually reddish, yellow, or brown. And I'll support why I, why I think that's it as we move on. So you have this opaque variety of colored quartz, opaque beginning almost see-through. You know, light, light can travel through this. Uh, a variety of, of colored quartz, uh, usually, uh, or often, how does it say that? Uh, usually reddish, yellow, or brown. So picture this almost clear reddish, yellow, brown. And then we move on to sardius. It says brown to orange brown in reflected light but deep red by transmitted light. My brain immediately goes in reflected light and transmitted light. Yeah, and I'm guessing, you know, if you, just, if you just held it down here, it looks kind of, of brown and orange, but if you shine a light right on it, maybe that's when you see deeper and you get the, the deeper red. Maybe that's what it means. And, and, and uh, it's like, I'm not sure what's going on here, but if you put these colors together, I think you have a picture of flame caught in stone. You have the brown, the orange, the red, the, the, the almost see deep into kind of thing. And you know how you can look at a fire and just be mesmerized? You can just look at it, and, and what colors do you see? 
You see red, orange, brown even, and, and yellow, and, and, it's just, and you just can stare at it forever. It's just like awesome. And I think that's the picture of what he's trying to get across. And, and I looked in several different Bibles to see, you know, what does this one say? And most of them said carnelian. Uh, uh, a couple said sardius, and then the King James with the sardine stone. Uh, but the, the, I, I pulled out the Amplified Bible just to see what the Amplified Bible did with it. And here's what it says. And he who sat there appeared like the crystalline brightness of jasper and the fiery sardius. And I thought, wow, I like that. So you have this picture of God almost flaming, except the flame isn't burning, it's just there. You know, and, and it, it, it's more like a permanent thing. The one who sat there looked like flames captured in stone. And I'm going, oh, I like that picture. That is a cool picture. Uh, and then it says, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. And, and, and again, I, it, our brains just kind of go, how can a rainbow be like an emerald? A rainbow is, uh, let's see, Lorraine can sing the song. You know, I, I, yellow, red, orange, green, and then she says indigo. I'm going, it's blue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, 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 they, and you go, a rainbow is defined by the colors, isn't it? Uh, isn't that what makes a rainbow what it is? Uh, and, and I think what, what rain, emerald does here is it captures the hardness and the color of this rainbow. A rainbow that we see in the sky is this light, fluffy, uh, I mean, it's, it's not like it moves, the wind blows it around, but it, it's nothing but light reflected, uh, moisture reflecting off light from the sun, moisture trapped in the sky reflecting this light is, is a prism, uh, essentially, and, and that's what we think of a rainbow, and it's essentially a nothing of color hanging in the sky. But this is not a nothing, this is something solid. This is something real, physical, and tangible, and it's, and it's emerald, I think, partly captures uh, the the hardness of it, but I think also the green captures the color. And, and, and this is a green rainbow. Uh, and I, I think it's... it's uh, Green, probably. Green usually we think symbolizes life. In the spring, we think green and we think new life and it makes us happy. John 1 4 says, In him was the life and the life was the light of men. And we have life, but the life we have is given to us. But he is the source of life and it radiates from him. Radiates almost like what you might call a rainbow. <laughs> and, and we get this picture coming out of this of, of life springing from God, springing from the throne. We have, we have life because we received it. He's the giver of life. He's the source. And, and I, think, I think today, you know, with today's vocabulary and today's way of doing things, if we were to see what John saw, we would call it a halo of green, right? Or, or, or an, an emerald halo, or maybe an emerald aura. You know, picture Saturn and the rings around the Saturn. What do you call that? Well, I don't know what you call it. You know, the, the, the shape. I would use it's like a donut. If you don't put if the planet's not there anyway, it's a donut. Well, that's, I think that's what John saw. And the language he had, he didn't have, maybe he had halo. I don't know. They didn't have Middle East, mid medieval art yet, you know, drawing little halos around people's heads. Uh, they, maybe they didn't have the word halo. Maybe aura sounds too new age. I don't know. But, but uh, so he, he said rainbow. And I think that's what he's saying. Is, is, I think he's describing this ring emanating from God, this green ring. And I think he's saying a ring of life. And that's what John saw. That's what John saw when he looked at the throne. Well, there are other visions of the throne of God in the Bible. And what we find is, is a lot of similarity and a lot of differences. There's three passages. Well, there's four if you count that Ezekiel has two different ones. He has one in chapter 1 and one in chapter 10. Uh, but the three passages are in Ezekiel, 
in Isaiah, and in Revelation, right? And, and so as we look at the others, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 6. And I know I did this just a few weeks ago uh, when we were um, going through the, the, the song, Holy, Holy, Holy. Uh, and, and this, in, in many ways, is going to be a similar sermon, I guess. But Isaiah chapter 6, we see this vision of the throne of God. And, and as we look at it, we see an awful lot of similarities, even though there are also some differences. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Should I call out a page number? Lynn isn't here to groan. so. <laughs> okay, uh, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. I will read these first seven verses. Uh, In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Actually, that's, I, I should stop there for now because I don't want to go on to talk about the seraphim yet. Uh, but that's all the description we have of God here, uh, is, is he's high and seated on a throne, and the train of his temple, the, the train of his, his robe fills the temple. And so we have, again, the throne itself is not described. The one sitting on it is, is defined as the Lord, not simply, you know, one was sitting on it, but the Lord is sitting on it. The train of his temple fills the temp, the train of his robe fills the temple we go to ezekiel and ezekiel is by far the most elaborate both in describing these beings that i'm going to call the four living beings that's what revelation calls them and 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 in describing god Uh, ezekiel chapter 1 verses 26 through 28 and above i'll wait a second i hear pages turning love to hear pages turning by the way if, there, if you have a Kindle, could you scratch it a little? So, <laughs> uh, 28 through 29. And above the expanse over their heads was the likeness of a throne in appearance like sapphire, and seated above, like the, like, above the likeness of a throne was a likeness with a human appearance. And upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw, as it were, the g- gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around, and downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire, and there was brightness around him. Like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness all around, such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. And when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of one speaking. And so what we find is Ezekiel tells more details, and, and, and we find a tremendous amount of agreement between these visions of God on the throne. Uh, you, have, you have something like a throne. Uh, Ezekiel goes as far as describing the color. This, this one said uh, sapphire, which you figure uh, a bright blue. Some of your Bibles may say lapis lazuli, which you have to look up even to know how to pronounce. Uh, and and, and it's, it's described as kind of a... I had, I had two, two descriptions of lapis lazuli. It was called azure blue, which I think is another way of saying sky blue. Why can't you say sky blue? Or Berlin blue. And I'm going, I don't know what that is either. Right? So sapphire works great. Uh, On the throne is one resembling a man. From the waist up, he looks like glowing metal. From the waist down, he looks like fire. Again, it corresponds really well with this picture we had in Revelation of of flame captured in stone. But it's being described in different ways with different words. But but it's a similar description. And there is a radiance around him like a rainbow uh, emanating from him. These are the visions uh, uh, in the Bible of the throne of God. And they're strikingly similar similar. And then we go and we look at the creatures around the thrones, uh, and, and it gets really uh, really interesting, these, these creatures. Uh, first of all, 4 verse 4, we find the 24 elders. Revelation 4 verse 4, around the throne were 24 thrones, 
And seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass. Uh, and, and I'm going to stop there for now. So we have 24 thrones with 24 elders. And as you look at 24, you go, I don't remember 24s in the Bible. 24 is not a significant number in the Bible. You go, okay, if everything is, is, if this is supposed to be symbolic of something, I don't get what 24 is symbolic of. Well, 24 isn't a really heavy symbolic number, but 12 is. <laughs> and we have, I think what we have represented here is, is the 12 tribes of Israel in the Old Testament and the 12 apostles of the New Testament. And you have two 12s and all, and what do you have? 24. You know, and I think that's what's being represented here because, like I say, there's no significant 24s, but there are a couple of really significant 12s. And so if that's the case, then we have, we have the, 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 re, these representatives of the Old Testament saints and of the New Testament saints crowned, ruling with him on their thrones. I mean, they're on thrones, they're wearing crowns, they're ruling with God uh, around the throne. In heaven, so, so that's the first thing we see. Then we see from the throne, lightning and thunder. Dis- I, I think what we have there is displays of uncontainable energy. You know, there, you know th- what, what makes it th- th- friction in the air? Things are moving, the energy builds, and it must be released. And we have the lightning and the thunder. And it's just tremendous e- explosions of power in the sky. And I think that's what's happening around God, is, is there's just so much energy that it's being released that way. And then we have verse, chapter 4, verse 6, we have this wonderful expression, uh, the seven spirits of God, which is explained in the Bible where we find it, Nowhere else. <laughs> you go, wait a minute. What is this? We don't have these seven spirits of God anywhere. Where, where, is, where is this coming from? I don't get it. What are the seven spirits of God? Well, I think what it's saying, again, you know, and, and, and you want to be a little bit careful, but this is the only explanation that makes sense to me, is it says the, it's saying the Holy Spirit in all his fullness. Because seven, again, it's a significant number in Scripture. God created the world in six days and rested on the <clears throat> rested on the seventh, and seven has been taken to understand mean that the, the number of completion or the number of fullness and, and and if this is correct then what we have described here is the holy spirit in his fullness you know he is he is entirely there he is completely there the holy spirit is there at the throne of god and and uh, best i can say is unless you can come up with a better explanation I, i'd say go with that one you know if you have something better say oh well i know what that is it's you know then then uh, great don't interrupt the sermon, but great. Okay. <laughs> but then we get to these four living creatures, right? Let me read about the four living creatures, verses 6 through 8, halfway through 6. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The fir- first living creature, like a lion. The second living creature, like an ox. The third living creature, with a face of a man. And the fourth living creature, like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And so we have these amazing, incredible creatures around the throne of God. There's four of them. One has the face of a lion. One has the face of an ox or a calf, depending on on your version. Uh, One has the face of a man and one has the face of like an eagle or one looks like an eagle in flight. And they're calling out, Holy, holy holy is the Lord God Almighty. Well, let's go back and look at our other passages again. 
and see what they say about creatures around the throne. So, so uh, um, let's see, I want to I come back to my notes before I get too far ahead. Um, okay, the way they're described in Revelation, okay? The way they're described in Revelation, first of all, they're full of eyes in front and behind and all around. We find that, we find that interestingly twice. It's just three verses, and we find it twice. In verse 6 it says, uh, and they're full of eyes all around and within. And verse 8 says, uh, I'm sorry, that was verse 8. Verse 6 says, on each side, uh, full of eyes in front and behind. Verse 8 says, all around and within. And so you just get the picture that these things are just covered with eyes. It's really weird, right? Uh, and so you have the eyes. You have... Uh, um, you know, probably, uh, you know, if we're looking for symbolic meaning in this, probably has the idea of watchfulness, of seeing everything around. You know, you and I, I, I was convinced, by the way, I grew up in a, in a Catholic home and I went to Catholic grade school. And, and they, they did some, they, they had this thing called Vatican II while I was in grade school. And the nuns went from looking like, you know, Sister Act nun to looking like ladies. Uh, but, but in first grade, they were still nuns. They had the black with the white thing and all this. And I was convinced, after, after being in first grade for about three months, I was convinced that what that black thing did was it hid, up, hid the eyes in the back of the head. Because, because Sister Samuela knew what I was doing when her back was turned. And it's like, because I, I, I mean, I was that boy. I waited till the back was turned, you know. And then she'd say, Steve, stop. Whatever I was doing, I just kind of... And after she did that a couple of times, I understood. Because you, know, you always have the question when you're a little kid, did any of you question if clowns were born that way or if, if they had to become that way? I, I always wondered that, and I thought, nuns, were they born that way? And that, that settled the question. They were born nuns with these extra eyes you know, in the back of their heads because they saw everything. Well, what are these guys with their eyes about? It's about seeing things. And, and one of the thoughts is that these are God's guardian angels. And you go, why would God need a guardian angel? Well, not to guard him. It's not like anybody can hurt him. But, but it's, it's kind of something that, that maybe is just considered propriety or something. I don't know. Uh, Satan, by the way, in Ezekiel 28, verse 14, was called, it says, some version, again, depending on your version, it either says you were the anointed cherub or you were the guardian cherub. And you go, okay, it's a phrase we find in Scripture. Uh, and and uh, whatever it means, I don't know for sure that why God would have a guardian angel, but these things fit the description. Uh, each creature in, in Revelation has a different kind of face. The lion, the lion, you know, and the lion meant to them what the lion means to us. Lion's the king of the beasts. You know, it is the one that when you see, it's, it's majestic, it's just powerful, and it represents the king of the beast. The calf, or the ox, represents servanthood. You know, much, uh, we, we, in, their, in, our, in their day, the ox was the tractor, or the engine for the tractor. He was the one that gave us the work. He was also an animal that was sacrificial in its nature. It was used to be sacrificed to God. And, and so the ox was used for these purposes. And so we have, the, we have the lion, the king of the beast. We have the ox representing servanthood and strength. We have man, embarrassing as it is to say, representing intelligence and wisdom. <laughs> but man is the thinking beast. Man is the height of God's creation. And then you have the eagle that soars over it all. And is majestic and, and glorious. And, and I like to say it's a carrion bird, but you know, that's not what they're pointing out about this. Uh, and, and it's mentioned here they have six wings. 
No explanation of the six wings, just that they have six wings. Isaiah is going to talk about six wings and tell us why. But these things always call out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and is and who is to come. So, so that's what we find with these things. Now let's turn to Isaiah chapter 6 again. And I best I can say is I warned you. Uh, you found it once, you can find it easier the second time. Or maybe you were smart and kept your finger there like I didn't. Isaiah chapter 6, we find these... Well, the question is, are these the same creatures? And I'm going to argue that they are. And, 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 uh, and it's actually the platform is something I'm going to do. But Above him stood the seraphim. Seraphim meaning flaming ones. Okay? Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundation of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And so we have, we have these seraphim, the burning ones. They have six wings. Two cover the face. Two cover the feet. I think that's as a sign of modesty and humility. Uh, in the presence of God, maybe they're not worthy to see the face of God, or maybe because they have seen the face of God, they don't want to lessen that by seeing something else. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's something else. Two, they cover their feet. Maybe they've touched holy ground. You know, and, and I don't know, but, but I, think, I, I think that I see modesty in that. And two are actually practical and use them to fly. And they cry out with a very similar phrase, the exact same, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then they change it a little bit. The whole earth is full of his glory. Then we turn to Ezekiel. Like I said, Ezekiel is the most graphic of these guys. Ezekiel is the weirdest prophet. You know, if you don't learn anything else from me ever, learn Ezekiel is weird. Okay. But Ezekiel is, is, is uh, um, the most, he gives the most description, which is part of what makes him seem so weird, but he's not actually telling us anything different. Um, and and uh, it's, I, it's like I don't want to read all of this. There's, there's just too much. Um, I'll start with, uh, well, I don't know what else to do. I'll start with verse 4 of chapter 1. As I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north and a great cloud with brightness around it and the fire flashing, uh, flashing forth continually. And in the midst of the fire, as it were, gleaming metal. And from the midst of it above the came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had a human likeness. By the way, in chapter 1, he calls them living creatures. In chapter 4, or chapter 10, he calls them cherubim, which is plural for cherub. Uh, their legs were straight. I'm sorry, uh, their appearance that they had a human likeness, but each had four faces, and each of them had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like burnished bronze. Under their wings on the four sides, they had human hands, and the four had their faces and their wings thus. Their wings touched one another. Each one of them went straight forward without turning as they went. As for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. The four had, it says each had a human face. The four had the face of a lion on the right side. The four had the face of an ox on the left side. The four had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces, and their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each of which touched the wing of another, while two covered their bodies. And each went straight forward, and it goes on and describes, uh, it goes on in more detail, but uh, the Ezekiel tells us they had human form. He says they had four wings, not six. He said they had four faces, lion, bull, uh, eagle, and man, not four with each different faces. 
Uh, and and uh, they don't call anything out. And they, if I read a little farther, they fly around over these things that are like flaming gyroscopes. Uh, and you go, I don't, I don't follow all this. Uh, and, and so you go, okay, this is, this is so, they're, they're all around the throne of God. In each case, there are four of them. In each case, they, uh, in it's, it's two of the four, they call out, holy, holy, holy. In two of the four, they have six wings. And one, they, it sure sounds like these have got to be the same creatures, and yet they sure sound like they're different creatures. And, and, and this is where we come to understanding. This is, I, I want to point all this out because I want to present what I think is, is a simple answer that we understand once we learn the difference between seeing with physical eyes and seeing in a vision. Uh, it, it, is, it is hard to look at these things in the setting and say they're not the same things, but it's hard to look at their differences and say they are the same things. And, and so what do we do? And the solution is the difference between seeing a vision and seeing with eyes. When we look with the eyes, we see what's really there, but not everything has meaning. Okay? I am wearing a red shirt with a red tie that some of you might think looks okay, and some of you might be going... That clashes, you're hurting my eyes just by looking at it. Uh, and it all depends on you. I don't know. Uh, and, you, and, and you can go, what does it mean? Right? Well, actually, it, 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 the first thing it means is that Steve dressed himself today. <laughs> okay? <laughs> that answers an awful lot of Sundays, doesn't it? <laughs> Uh, but, but I actually did this on purpose because of this illustration, because it doesn't mean anything. Right? It, when you see with the eyes, you see what's actually there, but not everything you see has meaning. Right? Uh, it, it, but, but imagine in a vision, right? You were reading in the Bible and it said, From the waist up, he was clad in red, and above that was another sash in brilliant red. That has meaning. Right? That's the difference between seeing with the eyes and seeing in a vision. And in a vision, what is far more significant is what, what you see means than what it looks like. What it looks like is merely a vehicle to transport an idea. It's not the same as seeing with an eye. So in, 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 in Revelation, John sees four creatures, each with one of these four faces... Ezekiel sees four creatures, each with four of these four faces. They're the same four faces. The meaning that's coming across is the same. You see? The, the, the meaning that's coming across, because they're both seeing in visions. The meaning that's coming across is the same meaning, even though the actual thing that, I want to say physical thing, but you know, the actual description is different, and what they're seeing may be different. They're seeing the same scene around the same throne of the same God. And so we start to understand in a vision, and that's why I say a vision is the modern art of prophecy. You know, it's like, it's like most of the Bible, we read it, and we look at the, if it was a picture, we'd say, that's a really good picture of a dragon. But in, a Z, in Revelation, we look at the dragon, we say, why does the dragon have seven heads and ten horns? You know, why is the dragon described that way? Because it's not just a picture to show us what something looks like. It is a lesson giving us, it is teaching us a lesson about Satan and, and, and each part of the description has meaning. In a, in a, in a in physical vision, we see everything clearly and accurately uh, if we have good vision, but not everything has meaning. In a vision, we don't necessarily see things how they look, but absolutely everything we, we get has meaning. Okay, so when we look at these creatures, uh, one of the things they do for us is they help us to understand a vision. So what is the message of the vision uh, of, this, of this creature? Uh, this creature, this, this being, these four creatures around the throne. Well, first of all, this amazing creature, 
And when I say amazing creature, I want you to understand the Bible never presents more than five of these things. There may be more than five, but, but here's where we find them. We find them in, in Isaiah around the throne, unless cherubim are different than seraphim, but I think it's just another word for the same thing because there's four of them and they're around the throne. We find four of them around the throne in Isaiah. We find four of them around the throne in Ezekiel. We find four of them around the throne in Revelation. Okay, why do I say five? Satan was called the guardian cherub of God or the anointed cherub. That makes five. Where else do we find cherubim? In the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve are kicked out, cherubim are placed outside the garden with a flaming sword, and the word is simply cherubim meaning more than one cherub. We don't know how many, but we never find... There may be only five of these things in existence, ever. And one of them is evil, right? These are amazing creatures to start with. They're, a special, they're described as a special order of angel, but they're never actually called angels. They may be something different altogether. You know, we're sitting here from our little physical plane trying to make sense out of these things, and, and, and I think they're beyond us. So there, there, there's, there's these amazing creatures uh, of a very limited number and presumably great power, if Satan is one, right? Uh, what's their highest purpose? What is their sole purpose in, in life? To worship God. They never cease to call out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth are filled with his glory. So you take the most amazing creatures ever made, and what is their purpose is to worship God. That's incredible, right? Uh, that, that is an amazing thing. Uh, they are amazing elite creatures. Their greatest purpose is to give glory to God, which brings us to the end of the chapter and the last question I have, which is wh what do they do? We, we look at the throne. We look at the things around the throne. What do the things around the throne do? Right? Verses 8 through 11, back in Roman, or Revelation chapter 4. The four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they never cease to say... Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is, and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their thrones before the ground, the throne, cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. The, the, what do these things around the throne do? They praise God. And every time, this, this, this is, if, if, you're, if you're like me, if, you're, if you have a challenging, questioning mind, and you want to go, well, how did that work? Every time the living creatures give glory to God, the four, which they never cease to do, the, 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 the elders falling down before the, or fall down before the throne and throw their crowns before the throne. Right? Well, if these guys never cease to give praise to God, how do you throw your crown the second time? <laughs> I mean, you, do you run out and get it and bring it back so you can throw it again? You go, this doesn't work. It's not possible. How could they do that? And the answer is, it doesn't work in the world you see with these eyes. But in the vision, it works. Have you ever had a dream that in the dream, the thing that happened in the dream made perfect sense? And you wake up and you think, that was cool. And then you realize, wait a minute, that wouldn't work. <laughs> right? But it worked great in your dream, but it doesn't work. At, well, you know what? What is the message of these elders throwing their, th their crowns before the throne 
every time these creatures call holy, 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 and they never cease to call holy, 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 the message works really, really well, even if the physical act doesn't make sense. The message is that they also never cease to give worship and praise to God. And not only that, I mean, what, what is demonstrated by the fact of them falling down and throwing their crowns is this is not surface worship. This is not, okay, what, what, what is my line? You know, it's like when I sing a song, I need to have the words in front of me. My hope is built on nothing. Oh, that's the next song. I'm supposed to give it away. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I, because I mess them up. They're not, they're not worried about messing up the lines. They're not worried about doing it because this is absolutely from the depth of their being, worshiping God. What is man's highest purpose? You know, the Westminster, shorter Westminster Catechism. What is man's highest purpose? To worship God and enjoy him forever, I think is the right answer. Uh, to worship God and enjoy him forever. And, and, and what, is, what is the highest blessing we receive is when we truly and honestly worship God from the heart. I, I think, you know, this is, this is chapter 4. It's setting the stage for chapter 5. And here's the thing that blows me away. is compared to chapter 5, chapter 4 is really empty. And, and I say that because the scene around the throne in chapter 5, the, the scene around the throne in chapter 4 is, is actually kind of orderly. You have, you have uh, God on the throne. You have 24 thrones. You have seven spirits of God. You have four creatures. Nice, orderly. The Germans would love this. You know, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> if you like organization, you like chapter four. Because chapter five, we find an, an innumerable amount of people gathered around. And I'm just kind of leading into next week because it's all about the lamb who was slain. But chapter 4 is awesome without that. But there's something missing and it's us. Because God wants us there. Right? Where Where do we find blessing? We find blessing when we are there. Right? When we are there, when we are worshiping God. I, I hope to leave, leave you with a hunger and thirst for worship. Let's bow in prayer. Father God, I praise you. I praise you, Father. I cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Lord, I pray that, that you give me eyes to see your glory greater, to enjoy and appreciate who you are, to never be satisfied with, with what I already have seen, but to always want more. Father, give each one of us that hunger and thirst for you. Lord, let that be the blessing we walk away with. I ask in Jesus' name.